Ledge Dweller, I wrote about a 46-year-old bored suburban wife and mother who finds out that her husband has been unfaithful and that brings her out onto the ledge and figuratively she jumps and in order to sort of fill the emotional vacuum in her life, she starts engaging in increasingly high-risk behaviors. She goes big. I've had some of the same challenges in trying to determine who I am separate from my role as a mother, separate from my role as a wife. I want to make films that people don't just look at, but they truly see. I like the collaboration part, and I like when people who are part of that recognize that the whole is greater than the sum of the parts. Let's start in a place of goodness without ego, and let's end in a place of goodness without ego. You know, you got to care about these characters, and they have to have dimension or you know it's not believable you know you can't help but walk by the red light district so yeah. that that's always thought provoking and then uh, the, bunch of edibles yeah. there a little uh little sex no <laughs> sorry yeah well there there they, they <laughs> there were plenty of curtains that were closed let's put it that <laughs> oh my ah good evening folks and welcome to the cinema after dark podcast my name is max cole and i'm the host and producer of this podcast and i am broadcasting from the entertainment capital of the world sunny los angeles california the sun has now set in let me tell you it was a hot day today over 100 degrees here in los angeles oh my and that beautiful moonlight is now upon us thanks so much for joining me on this podcast tonight i want to remind all of our listeners that you can listen to all the episodes of this show if you subscribe to our podcast there on iTunes. You can also find us on Stitcher, TuneIn, and Google Play. And for those listening, we are broadcasting live. So thank you for listening on the Mixler app. That's mixlr.com slash cinema after dark. Or you can listen to us on cinemaafterdark.com there if you're you know out there and want to tune into this live show here. Now remember if you or someone you know would like to be a guest on this podcast Make sure you reach out to me via the contact link that's on our website. Please make sure you have some skin in the game before reaching out. That's our only requirement by skin in the game. Certainly need to have a few credits under your belt. It's something that we value for credibility purposes. I also strongly encourage you to follow us on Twitter at Cinema After Dark for the latest show updates. Remind everyone listening that this is an information and discussion-based podcast we do not censor ourselves, and we sure the hell do not censor our guests. But please keep in mind that there might be views and opinions expressed on this podcast that may not reflect the views and opinions of the host. My goodness, have we got a wonderful, wonderful guest here tonight. One by the name of Lindsay Wilner. And God, let me tell you a little bit about Lindsay. Originally from Chicago, Illinois, Lindsay Wilner moved out to Salt Lake city utah to complete her doctorate in clinical psychology she's the founding director of the christmas box house a center for at-risk children who have not been removed from their homes due to abuse neglect and abandonment a champion of women's issues lindsay attended cambridge university in england to complete a thesis on the unmarried woman's role in victorian society her clinical research has focused 
on the developmental implications of sexual trauma in an adolescent female population, shedding much-needed light on young women's issues. In her clinical practice, Dr. Wilner frequently came across women clients who were wrestling with midlife crises. Now, after having one or two of her own, she pursued a different career path as a screenwriter of narrative films. Ledgedweller, the movie, is dedicated to all the women who seek rebirth in middle age. And let me bring her on this wonderful program here. Lindsay, how's it going? It's going well, Max. Thanks for having me. I'm honored to talk with you tonight. Oh, my goodness. What is a pleasure to have you on the podcast here this evening. And my goodness, there's so much to discuss here. It's funny. We had a little bit of technical issues there. <laughs> Thanks uh, to my film student for the help yeah, I, uh, was, and to your guidance. Oh uh, it takes my. a team, right? Yeah, absolutely. And I want to give a shout out to your film student. That was quite awesome. Yes, Taylor, uh, she came through in a pinch. Yeah. So I have a great woman-driven team. Uh, you know, it's uh, I love working with uh, both men and women, but when I started my film company, Look and See Films, I, I was all about putting together women behind the lens, and so I work with some of the best women that I know, and they make me better. It's really cool what you're doing with that. We're going to come back to that in a second, but I kind of want to give our listeners a little bit of context here. Would you sure. mind, you know, sharing where you were born and raised? I mean, I know you're from Chicago. Oh, gosh. But how did you get into this whole film thing? Because I think that story is rather fascinating and sort of plays into, you know, your film. Yes, thanks. Uh, I, I miss Chi-Town right about now. But uh, <laughs> the Windy City. Yeah, good pizza's uh, there, I hear. Well said, exactly. And <laughs> I, I could go for a piece of deep dish from Giordano's with a with my martini right about now. Oh, but, my, you're uh, killing me. Yeah, I, um, you know, I was always inspired because uh, Chicago is alive culturally and uh, with Second City and the Goodman and so many greats coming from those different theaters and production companies. I was inspired. I, I came out to Salt Lake, though, to finish a doctorate and uh, dedicate myself to starting a, a home for kids that had been removed uh, out of the home and needed a place to come before we triaged and put them into um, the best kind of placement, whether it was kinship or foster care. And I did that, and uh, I was proud of that. But uh, I've always been a writer, and uh, I uh, really got into the Sundance uh, scene and uh, had the opportunity actually to meet uh, Bob Rubford in Nepal many moons ago and then saw him at Sundance uh, in his restaurant and mm. um, just got inspired by going to the film festival. I've always been a writer, and I had firsthand knowledge of the human condition from my practice and also from the Christmas box house. And I uh, really just wanted a career change and went out on the ledge myself, hence Ledge Dweller, about a middle-aged woman who has to jump before she can fly. And yeah. uh, I wanted to channel some of those stories into one character that hopefully people will resonate with and care about. And uh, I have been really committed to casting age-appropriate actors and actresses, which isn't typically done in Hollywood anymore. So, Right, right. That's so true. It's interesting, this, you know, this transition you had you know, into film. I know many people kind of go through a midlife crisis and 
I would love to hear if you would be willing to share a little bit more about kind of what happened with you, because I, I just think that's really compelling. I mean, it's something that's quite um, common in, in men and women, you know, and I, I'd love to know what uh, kind of happened there that really, you know, catapulted that career change. You know, was that easy for you too? I'd, I'd love to dig into that a little bit because uh, I think it's just fascinating. You know, maybe you could share, you know, some of the things that you were going through in your life at that time. No, I'd be happy to. What brought me out on the ledge myself and thinking back, I, I felt like I was afraid to risk before I found my way into my own footsteps. And in middle age, I think you come face to face with regrets or dreams or challenges that for whatever reason you might have uh, dodged. And I, I guess uh, in my middle age, I felt secure enough in who I was to take on the challenge and face what I had feared and going into a career where women are underrepresented. Uh, There aren't a lot of screenwriters. There are not very many. I mean, less than 10% of directors are women. Yeah. And I, uh, I guess that's what sort of inspired me, uh, the game changers that came before me that uh, I'm a drop in the ocean compared to, but they forged the path. You know, Catherine Bigelow and um, Ava DuVernay, who I wish would have won an Oscar like Catherine did for Selma. I know, And now, you know, Patty Jenkins, who's putting her own wonder into Wonder Woman and Sofia Coppola with The Beguiled. Oh, yes. You know, I mean, these are are the women that are shattering the the glass ceiling and creating a space for other women to fill. Mm -hmm. And so I think I felt like I was secure enough in my middle age that I was willing to risk and face what the risk brought. And uh, it's just brought challenge uh, in the best of ways. So that's why I really think it's with my character, too. I'm sure there's a little of me spun around her that you really do have to jump before you can fly and you have to lose yourself before you can find yourself. And in my middle age, I was willing to do that. And I wanted something new and I loved what I did. And it inspires what I do because clearly to be a clinician who's good, you have to be a good listener and a keen observer of human behavior. So I tried to channel that into my love of writing, hence the screenplay for Ledge Dweller and then my production company and talking with Mark Povinelli and, you know, it all just sort of fell into place. That's fantastic. By the way, did you dabble into a screenwriting prior to? You know, I never had. I just uh, sort of had to uh, get myself up to speed and educate myself and learn what's involved. And what do they say? There's a, you know, every taxi driver in L.A. is uh, a wannabe uh, screenwriter. I just think you, you know, you get uh, Final Draft or Celtics and it's there and it formats and uh, then you just educate yourself on screenwriting. You're ready to go. Yeah, it's uh, uh, it's cool that you had that inspiration and the motivation to do it to make it happen and i want to transition here and talk about ledge dweller a bit it's a feature film you know obviously you wrote uh, produced and directed i believe frankie johnson also helped you produce this film correct yes i mean frank just finished a a feature with uh, bruce stern in portland and frank's been around forever he has a a storied career uh did touch by an angel and worked on the predator and uh, the a-team with george papard and mr t and yeah yeah he read the script and and he dug it and he works out of um park city film studios and so you know right now we're getting ready for production we we're still trying to nab an executive 
executive producer, but um, yeah. we're, you know, we're moving in the right direction. And it's an example where as a filmmaker, I'm all about my women driven team, but I'm, I see us in a community of both brothers and sisters. And on my set, both are welcome. And here's a case uh, where Frank was a brother who extended the hand of grace to me as an up and coming filmmaker and screenwriter. And you are now giving me this opportunity tonight. Oh, so man, it's my pleasure. I have nothing but appreciation for my brothers and my sisters in this artistic community. Oh, salute to that. Now, I believe you've been working on a sizzle reel too? We are. We're in the editing room for the sizzle reel. Yeah. And, and that's really, you know, part of the process with your pitch, your deck, the sizzle reel in securing the last financing one needs. So right. we have the distributors. And again, we just are so close to crossing the finish line. That's so. fantastic. Now let's talk about the film a bit more in depth here. Would you mind sharing with our listeners, you know, what the film is about? I know you mentioned it briefly in our uh, introduction there, but uh, would love to just kind of, um, you know, give our listeners some context about you know, what this film is about. No, it'd be my honor. Uh, so, Ledge Dweller, I wrote about a 46-year-old bored suburban wife and mother who finds out that her husband has been unfaithful, and that brings her out onto the ledge, and figuratively, she jumps, and in order to sort of fill the emotional vacuum in her life, she starts engaging in increasingly high-risk behaviors. She goes big. So uh, when she <laughs> jumps, I'm I'm talking the juicy stuff. So nice. it's a dark comedy. Yeah. Uh, it has a redemptive ending because that's just the way I write. But uh, she uh, drinks and drugs and commits assault and makes out with the high school quarterback, commits arson. She covers the bases. But in the meantime... By losing herself, she finds herself, comes to, to grips with uh, her past and what she wants to be in her future, and then finds unexpected love. See, I love that. I, I like stories that have a little bit of edge there, but then uh, end in uh, a unique way, a little redemption story. I think everybody appreciates stories that are about redemption, heartache, and real-life situations, too. And obviously, you can relate to this character, as you said in the beginning of our discussion. You said that really... It's personalized story. Yeah, in that, uh, you know, I identify with, with my protagonist. Her name is Jill Pierce, and uh, I do so because I've had some of the same challenges in trying to determine who I am separate from my role as a mother, separate from my role as a wife. Right. Jill is married to a character named Will, who is a real asshole. My husband <laughs> can be an asshole, but he isn't one every day. Hilarious. You know, you got to care about these characters and they have to have dimension or, you know, it's not believable. Right, right. So true. Yeah, three-dimensional characters. That's really what draws people to it anyways. And you've got to have conflict too as well. So it's good. That uh, sounds like a really good formula there. Now, what was your casting process like? Was that difficult? Was it fun? Oh, you know what? That's exciting when you, you know, have your script vetted and it goes to, you know, the the casting agencies and they dig it and, and then you reach out to, you know, I, I'm going to be up front. I always wanted Mark Povinelli. 
Mm, I loved him in Water for Elephants and, you know, he's been on Modern Family and he, uh, I just think he's a brilliant, gifted actor. And, uh, you know, I was talking to Mark and he was saying, yeah, you know, a short statured actor like myself uh, appreciates it if there's a role that comes along where it's actually a romantic lead and I have a chance of getting the the girl. Now, in my case, (laughs) uh, the girl is a 46-year-old woman and uh, in the movie, he plays Dr. Joe Truman, who's a general surgeon at the local hospital. And so I think Mark resonated with the role that uh, challenged romantic cliches because uh, he is uh, a little person. And uh, if I do my job right, because my protagonist is average height, people won't see the height differential, but they'll see the connection. That's my, my hope for the film. It's interesting. Yeah, you had a quote there that said, Ledge Dweller aims to dispel the negative stereotyping by presenting an empowering representation of a little person who refuses to allow his height to defy him. And I thought that was quite uh, quite profound. Exactly. Uh, absolutely. Exactly. He's so much taller than she yeah. is, especially at the beginning. But she uh, she finds uh, her, her strength uh, not only through her own self-discovery, but through admiring the challenges that uh, he has faced and how he rises above those and is in many ways much taller than she is. That's inspiring to her. I see. Very interesting. By the way, how long did it take to shoot for you? With the sizzle reel, that took uh, a couple of days. You know, you have a a script and you have your crew that comes in. Uh, We haven't filmed Ledge Stroller yet because, as I said, we're still finishing with the financing. Right, right. I wasn't sure if you, sorry, sorry, I wasn't sure if you'd done like a few scenes or, you know, how you built that sizzle reel. So you just shot. You just shot the sizzle. sizzle. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. So, um, Uh-huh. Yeah, and so then hopefully if we can cross that that finish line, then we can bring the other people into play whose agents won't let us talk about them until uh, <laughs> all the rest of the money is in escrow at a bank in Los Angeles. Very cool. Uh, then we can release their names. Mark has been just delightful and supportive because this film is groundbreaking. It's the first feature film that offers a romantic lead to a short-statured actor. Mm, so yeah. uh, his agent and uh, you know Mark himself said, uh, use my name as you will because I'm committed to changing the narrative with you. Oh, very cool. Very, very cool. So you're just about done with that sizzle reel, right? We're wrapping it up. So I can't wait to share it with you and everybody else out there. I'm really proud of it. That's very exciting. My goodness. By the way, what's been the most rewarding part to this process? Obviously, you know, there's some steps here that are, you know, soon to manifest. But so far, you know, with the writing process and seeing this thing sort of take form over, obviously, months, uh, what's been rewarding to you? Oh, I think that's a great that's a great uh, question. You know, I think when I look back, because Mark uh, Povanelli and I recently went through some rewrites, he wanted me to to rewrite a joke, and you know, I don't know his perspective, so I really respected his willingness to engage in a discussion, so he could enlighten me. And when I wrote it, I didn't want to be politically correct because if I was too careful, I worried I'd lose the edge, and so I looked to him to help me be respectful but maintain the edginess. And mm. so we did a lot of re writes. When I was writing, I felt it was very solitary. But when I got into the rewrite process where he said, you know, I don't like that joke and I'm not going to say it. And I said, okay, it's it's done. It's crossed off and I'll, I'll do something else. And we'd talk and I'd rewrite and then he'd approve it. And I'd say, okay, it's going in the script. 
And uh, I think to answer your question, it was the collaboration, Uh, the collaboration with artists like Mark Povinelli, with people on my production team, with Frank Johnson, who's been in the industry for over 40 years. Yeah. I like the collaboration part, and I like when people who are part of that recognize that the whole is greater than the sum of the parts. Let's start in a place of goodness without ego, and let's end in a place of goodness without ego. Oh, man, I love that. Now, <laughs> that's I, That's well my said. groove, man. Yeah. That is the way I, uh, I like to, uh, you know, operate. It's a really good perspective. Uh, what about the most difficult, the most you know, challenging parts thus far? I mean, obviously raising money is not fun. No, no, not for the (laughs) heart. No, no, because we we thought we were fully financed and then somebody pulled. And, uh, you know, I think, you know, a person in the film industry has to have tenacity. And when that person gets tired instead of quitting, it's important to rest and regroup and and to just reach out to a broader community of brothers and sisters who are doing their thing and showing up for them in hopes that in turn they'll show up for you. So we have some people we're talking to and uh, unfortunately I wish I could give the names but oh, yeah, no problem. Uh, yeah. but then there's crowdfunding and it becomes a grassroots effort which I think makes independent film, you know, all the more attractive. That was the cool thing about Obama that's now been um, erased is that you got a, a 181 write-off uh, yeah. for independent film. Right. And I'm sorry to see that go under the new leadership because yeah, I think outrageous. it really, he was a visionary in protecting the original voice. Yep. And that's what you find with independent film. It just beats. It has that pulse. Yep. And uh, I think if we're going to change the narrative and expand empathy for our fellow human beings, we have to be willing to listen to that original voice. Oh, that's so true. That is so, so true. Yeah, I'm a little irritated with the cuts to the arts funds, too. So Yeah, uh, man. God. They've gone deep, haven't it's they? Ridiculous. Let me not even get into that. It gets me all fired up over here. <laughs> I'll need another martini. Yeah, me too, actually. I need three. I need, we'll yeah. hit the bar. Man, <laughs> exactly. Even though I'm in Salt Lake and you're, well, figuratively anyway. <laughs> I know, right? Seriously. My God. Now, I recently read an article, and I want to talk about midlife crisis again. I recently yeah. read an article about women in midlife crisis situations. And the author was particularly talking about the impact it has on marriages. And it mentioned somewhere that like between 70 to 75% of divorces are initiated by females. And it talked about a midlife crisis, maybe, you know, triggering that or being at the uh, forefront and fueling that kind of situation. Yeah. I thought the numbers were staggering. And, and I was, I remember reading all the comments on the article. There's a bunch from husbands who were trying to figure out what the hell happened. But right, right. It's, it's crazy. Do you, uh, do you think that something happens? to the mind biologically and that kind of freaks women and and men out for that too as well but makes people want to reboot their lives because this is really an interesting question for you too also you know given the you know the profession that you're in too obviously that you were you know practice too as well yeah yeah i was a clinical psychologist in a former life you know it's a it's an astute question because and you're more informed than most because a great deal of men don't even realize that women have a midlife crisis uh like they do it's it's manifested in different ways but nonetheless it's a midlife crisis and with it comes angst and reflection and uh discovery 
recovery and rebirth, and but it looks different. And also studies have shown that when women are done with a relationship, they're really done. Men are more likely after a relationship has ended to circle back around and maybe take it up again. Yeah. And it, it, women disengage. And once they've gotten on that uh, train and disengaged and left the station, they don't come back. And so I just think it has to do with gender role socialization. It has to do with, you know, women biologically, emotionally, psychologically, when they're done, they're done. And I don't think they meet their needs at that point in the same way that a man might. And there's not a right or a wrong or one's better or one's worse. There's just real differences. And often women in midlife crisis will turn the crisis inwardly and at themselves and they become self-destructive whereas in men it's more manifested outwardly you know the cliche of the sports car and the mistress yeah right Mm -hmm. and and in in the movie ledge dweller her husband is sleeping with a very close friend in her social circle and she's shocked to find that out she knows he has had some dalliances in the past but didn't think it would hit home that close and so he's having his own midlife crisis and it really forces hers but she internalizes hers much more yeah so uh there are very real differences but Mm -hmm. uh it's a phenomenon that is uh, alive and well with women and uh, you're ahead of the pack because most most people don't realize that they have them yeah one of the reasons why i sort of got interested i was dating someone who was going through one and i didn't know what was going on at that time and how did it really what happened in that situation you know (laughs) i was kind of interesting yeah i mean i just noticed signs that the relationship was going in a different direction she was really unhappy for reasons that I can't even describe. There were a lot of, you know, and I've done a lot of research on this. At the time, it was something that I was obviously kind of obsessed with, just trying to gain an understanding for what was going on. But I remember she became more uh, withdrawn uh, in a lot of Mm -hmm. different ways, emotionally, sexually. There were a lot of different things. And we had great sex, too. This was was kind of funny about that. Yeah, that's a bummer. (laughs) But there were a lot of different things that were happening and manifesting in our life. She was actually in a very stressful career path too as well and that was playing a role into it too sure and yeah that's a big psychosocial stressor yeah and there were like a number of different things that were all the i guess you would say the textbook symptoms of somebody that's you know going through a midlife crisis it's uh it's interesting uh, because it uh when I, when I stumbled across you know the film that you were creating or whatnot drew my attention <laughs> because i was like huh it's interesting somebody's actually pursuing this as material because I, you know, know somebody was going through that. And also, you know, I see a lot of men or hear from a lot of men, a lot of friends who are, you know, dating men, you know, it's kind of like that thirties to 35, 36 range where you Mm -hmm. see certain weird behaviors happen in their um, marriages. And these guys are getting divorced and these are some pretty good guys too. And I was like, man, you know, it's kind of hard to get married. (laughs) You might want to marry after 35, after the crisis is done, but there you go. But I mean, it was, it's just, you know, you start piecing that together and uh, it's, you have to kind of pay attention to that. And that's just life sometimes, but it is a rather unique scenario, a rather unique situation too. Yeah. Life. Yeah. It's a leap of faith, isn't it? Right. Absolutely. Yeah. It's just interesting. And some of the stuff that you mentioned about this character and the film and how uh, I can see that uh, relating to my own, you know, dating situation and very interesting that you, um, you know, doing a film about this. Now, I want to talk about your production company, Look and See Films. You talked about it a little bit at the beginning of the 
podcast there. And would you mind sharing like the genesis of it? As you know, you're already doing great stuff to really empower women. And obviously it's, it's one of those things that you find really important. And I, I kind of want to talk about the genesis of that. Did that start after you started writing this film? This is better than Inside the Actor Studio, Max. <laughs> you, you put James Lipton to shame. Uh, thank you. I, I appreciate that. Uh, I love That's the question. Comment. I love the word genesis for some reason. But yeah. yes, what is the origins of Look and See? Well, for one thing, the name. I'm really into a title that says something about what it is. Mm. And I really think there's a difference between looking at an issue or a person and seeing that issue or that person. And so I want to make films that people don't just look at, but they truly see and hopefully glimpse characters that they can relate to and resonate with that they can truly see because they're real. And yeah. uh, that when I started Look and See Film Productions, I thought, you know, if I'm going to make movies and I'm going to, and I'm also right now in the midst of writing a psychological thriller, oh, sort of sexual. Oh, I love that. National. Yeah, and there's oh, a big twist at the end because I me. like writing movies that are norm-defying and uh, challenge stereotypes. But I just feel like we need to go beyond the surface and really see into the soul. Yeah. And with Look and See Film Productions, I just knew that I wanted to write films that change the narrative, that expand our thinking, that create empathy. And I wanted to challenge things that we've looked at, issues we've looked at, like ageism, sexism, racism, but that we haven't really truly seen and have and, and we're still continuing to deal with. I mean, let's take the Oscars, right? Yeah. Remember the hashtag Oscars so white Indeed, and that yeah. much needed shift that was so refreshing where there was representation like there should have been many years ago. Yeah. But then the last Oscars, it was Oscars so male. I mean, it women was. were in less than 20% of the non-acting categories. There were no women directors this last go around. Yeah. There was one woman writer and she did a phenomenal job for Hidden Figures. Mm, yeah. But mm. that's about, about it. So when I started Look and See Film Productions, one of my goals with that company is to hopefully with any success, start a foundation for women behind the lens who are graduating from NYU or whatever film school and who need a leg up because I tip my hat to the Reese Ritherspoons, the Jessica mm -hmm. Chastains who have started their own production companies. Uh, they've done a phenomenal job. They like the way I have nothing but respect. But for the people who are no names, there aren't a lot of funds out there available to give them a presence. And so I hope that out of Look and See Film Productions, there can be a Women Behind the Lens Foundation that provides opportunity for these young women, women of color. And I just believe in inclusion. Right. I think I'd like to see hashtag Oscars so all. Oh, that's <laughs> so great. We got to start that. <laughs> yeah, right? Wouldn't that be a groovy thing? It's yeah. long overdue. So uh, I, like I, I really liked, you know, that Moonlight took the best picture. I loved that yeah. they're starting to address the issue of racism in film. You're clearly uh, a filmmaker of Indeed, color. Indeed, of color, yeah. Brilliant uh, filmmaker. And I, I, I don't know if we were on the air, but I know I was congratulating you for your last flight to Los Angeles. Oh, thank having you. Just thank you. And I know you won uh, a bronze for that, and yeah. you've won numerous awards for the decision. Yeah, so decision you know, behind closed I, doors, it's been a, oh, it's been a, it's been a blessing. Good for you. 
really been a blessing. I appreciate that. That's very kind of you. I really appreciate that. You know, this film thing is just challenging. It is. I just met anyone bold enough to, to give it a go. And to, it's, it's no joke. No, you're right, right? It's not for the faint of heart. I mean, yeah. uh, it takes some courage, some guts, some craziness, you know, some martinis mixed in along oh, yeah. the way. And uh, <laughs> yeah, and, and the ability to risk yeah. uh, for the original voice. So I, I really like that you don't edit when you interview and that, you know, my views aren't maybe yours, but you allow me to speak them freely. Oh, salute to that. I'm all about that. That's what it's all about. Right there, Lindsay. Right on. Yeah. Having a voice and, you know, being loud with that voice can't be silenced. No, no. Seriously. With you on that. Oh, my God. Now, you talked about your production company, obviously some goals. Is there any other goals that you have? Because uh, I think what you're doing is fantastic and empowering, folks. That's really how you make change. You you kind of put on your boots and and walk a little and uh, create the change you want to see. But is there any goals that you have? in general that you haven't mentioned that which you'd really love to see you know five ten years down the line now how would you like to see that grow great question you have the best questions uh well i appreciate that thank you no really good questions you know i think i circle back to what i really liked about uh pre-production and that's the the collaboration process so i think looking down the the road i would love to to collaborate with women and men who are changing the narrative in film and who proudly make independent films. So, you know, I think about Sofia Coppola and her recent uh, Beguiled, Mm -hmm. and uh, I just think if I could be on the set with someone like her or Ava or Patty, or it would just be such an honor. And I believe in balance. So, you know, that's, I I have a woman-driven team and I am a feminist filmmaker but I'm not an angry one. I'm a passionate one and I welcome both men and women on the set. So I think it would be to collaborate with people like you, people who are willing to extend the hand of grace and uh, make make good films. Yeah, make good films. (laughs) What it's all about. Took the words out of my mouth there, Lindsay. Now, yeah, yeah. I got to ask you something too, like you returned from Amsterdam recently? I did. How I'm was still, that? I, yeah, I'm still detoxing from the coffee houses. Oh my God. I hear there's a lot of cool houses in Amsterdam. I, oh, I'm yeah, like on my yeah, bucket yeah. list of places. I hear mixed things. Like I hear some people will love it and have a great time. Some people are like, oh my God, it's just, I don't know. It's not for them. But how was it for you? <laughs> You know, I loved Amsterdam. I I like the freedom of it. I like the culture there. I mean, I went to the Van Gogh Museum. I went to the Anne Frank House Museum. So clearly, you know, the Anne Frank Museum is is sombering and going to the Jewish Quarter and... You know, Schauberg, where they, which was a Jewish theater, and they only allowed Jewish actors and actresses to entertain mm. for yeah. um, all Jewish audiences. And then the uh, Dutch worked with the Germans and transformed it into a gathering place where they would transport Jews to the death camps that they called working camps. My God. So to stand in that uh, very, uh, you know, somber ground and to, um, I just had a myriad of experiences uh, floating down the canals, walking the streets. Uh, but I think that, and everybody rides bikes. Yeah. So, <laughs> you know, you got to look over your shoulder and watch where you're going. 
uh, <laughs> it's worse than rush hour in Chicago. So, but they're you know yeah. they're 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 green, so I, I give them points for that. Oh, but yeah. I I think that uh, you know the experience. I think when you they're like their film industry is booming and blossoming, and yeah. uh, so it was it was a groovy place to be. I loved it, and then I spent some time on a farm oh, and uh, yeah. yeah, watched them make Gouda cheese and. Oh, I highly recommend it. If Amsterdam is on your to-do list, oh, yeah. I think it's it's worth it. Yeah, was it, by the way, was it cinematic? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was very cinematic. Okay, cool, cool. I, yeah, okay, I always wondered that. Interesting. My God. Yeah, and I was remembering we went by this music hall. I think it's called the Paradiso, and Prince had recently performed there, mm. and prior, obviously, to his untimely death. Yeah. And um, the who was performing there? The surviving member—I don't remember his name—but the surviving member of Millie Manilli. Oh yeah, Do you remember Manilli. Oh my, yeah. I remember and that. he was, Blame he it was on the performing. Rain, he the yeah, he was performing <laughs> that night, uh, uh, and so unfortunately, I didn't get to hear him. But so, yeah, so it's very culturally alive, okay. which I found refreshing. Okay, interesting. Yeah, I wondered about that. I'm glad you gave me a little bit more perspective of kind of what to expect. How long were you there for? You, you know, I was there for over 10 days. Oh, I, good. you know, I'm working on this new script. And I, yeah. so when I was on the farm, I was pounding out, you know, that. But in Amsterdam, it was more about just the cultural experience. Yeah. And, you know, you can't help but walk by the red light district. So yeah. that, that's always thought provoking. And then uh, the bunch of edibles yeah. there, a little, uh, little sex no sorry. yeah well there there they, they there were plenty of curtains that were closed Let's put it that oh my they have something like hashtag don't use your fucking camera when you walk down the ways so oh, that's um, awesome yeah, yeah yeah so i was certainly not going to take any photos uh like i'd love to typically do and have somebody you know running down an alley after me but <laughs> Yeah, it's it's just a, a cool place. Yeah, yeah. It sounds like a, a very cool place and a great experience. Oh, God, to it, say it, the it, least. Yeah, nice. no, it really was. Yeah, yeah. Very, very nice. Huh. Now, we are approaching toward the end of the program here, and I love to ask my guests to kind of share a little advice because, you know, there might be some people that are listening to this that are trying to figure this thing out. You, know, you obviously took sort of a leap of faith and, you know, did a whole, you know, a whole career change, which is... Just fantastic. Yeah. Would you mind sharing a little bit of advice for those that might be listening that might need a little bit of encouragement right now? Maybe they're just getting started. Maybe they don't have the resources. Absolutely. I think it's important to know your path, know what you want, have goals that you can articulate, and then reach out and utilize resources to help you attain those goals. I don't think a person can do it alone. And so my best advice is to surround yourself with people who are better than you, wiser than you. You know, it's that old uh, saying, you want to play great tennis, then play with someone that much better than you and you'll play great tennis. And so in this industry, which is tough, it spits people out. You have to have the resiliency. And I think if you surround yourself by people who can provide support, guidance, 
assistance help you along the way into achieving your goals, then you're farther ahead than than most. So to me, interdependency does not define weakness. Rather, it defines strength and foresight. Oh my, that is excellent advice. That is very, very well said, Lindsay. And just because of that, I've got to do something here to you that okay. I do to all of my guests here, Lindsay. And uh, geez, I hate to do this to you. I mean, it's something that I do to all of my guests, but it really stinks doing this to you because you've been so wonderful and so kind. But oh. um, I've got to do this and I want to ask you first if you're ready for it. I think I am. Should I fasten my seatbelt? My goodness. Yes, you should. You should definitely fasten that seatbelt. I'm just going to give right. you a second. I'm going to give you a second to, you know, buckle up for safety here. Okay. I'm buckled up. She's buckled up. Okay. Getting the oxygen mask ready. <laughs> <laughs> I can tell you're a writer. See, I could. You got to. You got to be visualizing the whole process there. Oh my goodness! Oh, good. I love that. Well, that, that, I'm glad to hear that. All right, all right. I'm with you now. All right. All right so, so here we are. We're on the plane, and all right, here we go. I hate to do this to you, but <laughs> <laughs> now is that my cue that the plane is landing and I need to get off? Well. <laughs> Uh, now, this is the part of the show where I ask my guests to share a fun fact about themselves and all that for this, right? It's a fun fact. Goodness gracious, how weak was that, right? But this has got to wow. be a but, but this has got to be a fun fact here, Lindsay, that people don't know about you. And I'm going to put the spotlight on you. It's got to be something that someone listening to this will not know about you. And the floor is yours. Wow. Do I get to hear what your fun fact is first? Oh, my. No, you got to go first. Ladies <laughs> first. I'm a gentleman here. Okay. Well, if, if I go, will you? Oh, absolutely. I like that challenge. Okay. All right. So, uh, I think my fun fact would be that I am a sucker for game shows. Oh, Nice. And award shows, and award shows. There is not a, an award show that I uh, ever miss, and I, I groove to the $100,000 pyramid. Oh, you know what? That used to be one of my favorite shows. <laughs> That's cool that you said that. Yeah, I, I used to love but that Dick show. Clark, remember Oh, him? yes. Yeah. Oh, my God. I used to always imagine being on that show. It's kind of funny you say that. My yeah, gosh. so I don't think people know that about me, That's that cool I'm shameless when it comes to game shows and award shows. Yeah, any uh, game shows and award shows did you watch recently? You know, I mean, I'm always saddled in for the Oscars, yeah, the um, but I just saw the other night the BET. The BET Awards, which was, uh, here was fantastic. Yeah. I missed that, that DVR. Oh, Maxwell performed. Yeah. Yeah, no, I... Uh, check it out. I have it on my You got to check it out, Max. My gosh, it sounds good. Yeah. Very cool. Very, very How about cool. your fun fact? Now, my fun fact, I've got a several of them. I'll just share one that I, is a common one. It is, okay. I am a stargazer, tend to look into the sky at night quite often. It's kind of my place of solace. I, I really do. I love a good, nice, clear sky with nothing but stars and uh, sort of just wonder what's out there in the universe. That's so. very uh romantic i hope next time you look up into the sky that you see your name written in the oh, stars. oh i like that i like that that's that, that might mean i'm tripping on something though i might <laughs> if i start <laughs> i don't know i might start running <laughs> oh, no no i mean i, I think like that's that, a cool thing that yeah, you yeah, look up and and find uh mystery and meaning at the same time yeah it's fascinating the world you know this universe is quite vast Do you ever look up in the sky at all yourself 
You know, I do. And uh, I think um, one of my bucket list things to do is to see the uh, Northern Lights. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Me too. Have you seen them? Not yet. It is on my bucket list as well as Amsterdam. So I've got a couple on the bucket list there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So uh, that's something I'd like to see. Nice. You know, your own your own laser show up yeah. in the sky. Yeah, it's it seems to be fantastic from what I hear. It's quite um, weird too. It's trippy out of the world and the, just what's happening out there. I like trippy. I think I'd bring Pink Floyd as the soundtrack. Oh yes, that would work pretty good. Right? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Far side of the moon or oh, something yes. like that. <laughs> Resurrect call. that soundtrack. Yeah. I like that. It's a good call. Now, how can people get in contact with you and really stay up to date with everything that's going on with you and the film? Yeah, I appreciate that, Max. So we have a website, ledgedwellerthemovie.com, exactly what it is. And uh, it's um, a great website in that it has, you know, links to Facebook and Twitter and our Instagram. We're always looking for people to come on board and, and follow us and know that we mean what we say, say what we mean. We're committed to casting age-appropriate actresses, so I can't say who is... Um, our first pick and in the running for Jill Pierce, who's 46, but I can tell you she has to be at least that age. Wow, yeah. And nice. um, I'm I'm hoping people will find that refreshing instead of casting 30-year-olds and, you know, middle-aged parts. Right. So we're all about keeping it real, and we'd love it if people check us out at LedgeDwellerTheMovie.com or on any of our social media. And it's under LedgeDweller yeah, for at, Instagram, Twitter. Right. It's at LedgeDweller folks that are yeah. listening and uh by the way shout yes. out to the folks that are listening here live yes you know thank shout you. out to you for listening tonight to keep a couple listening other folks. to max he's the best oh i appreciate that that is very very kind it's only good when you have some wonderful guests like you on the podcast i mean it's it's really nice to have you on the well you make it show. easy max ah it's a smooth ride. It's a collaboration. It's a, it's a collaboration. Hey, I love that. It is. It's about collab, right? I, I feel honored to have collaborated in this uh, conversation with you. That's that's the perk well, um, that comes with this, uh, you know, th- with this job. Well, I tell you what, it's my pleasure. I want to definitely bring you back here in the near future because, you know, we got to talk about that. the release and, you know, we'll talk about Thank some of the. You. Oh, yeah. Well, we'll make that happen. Okay. So. Yes, and if you're in in Salt Lake City, please come to the studio, uh, which is actually Park City Film Studios. Uh, It's the biggest universal and paramount in your neck of the woods. So it was built, modeled after them, and so it's right in my own backyard, and I love showing it off. Oh, my. The porch light is on for you, my Oh, my God, that is fantastic. I would love that. That would be awesome. And as the same, you know, obviously applies to you out here in this crazy, hot Sunny, crazy city. It was over 100 today, huh? Oh, yeah, it was brutally piping hot out there. My God, I melted. I I literally melted (laughs) on my way into the studio here to talk to you. I was melting away. Yeah, it's it's been crazy. How's the weather here? You know, it was hot here. I mean, Salt Lake, it's pretty hot in the the summer, but not as hot as you had it. So thank you. Thank you for braving the elements. Oh, yeah, it's always fun. By the way, are you, you ever come out to Los Angeles? Been you know, I do. And I was recently in San Francisco. Oh, yeah. Uh, cool. One of and, my favorite cities. Uh, yeah, I rode over the Golden Gate Bridge down to, you know, Salsalito, took the bike at the wharf and didn't realize that uh, nice. the Golden Gate Bridge, you have to sort of pedal up a bit before yep. you can coast down. But I need to be in Los Angeles one of these days. So hopefully we can connect. Oh, yeah, that'd be fantastic. You know, especially if you're screening here, that'd be awesome. It'd be good to 
you know, shake hands and give, for sure. give you a high five for making a kick-ass film. Hey, it, it, <laughs> uh, it takes a community. So thanks for letting me talk about it. Oh man, we got to bring it back. So, you know, we'll, thanks. we'll, we'll book that date, but my gosh, folks, I, I want to say again, thank you, you know, obviously Lindsay for coming on the podcast and folks out there that are listening. If there is anyone out there that's listening and wasn't able to catch this live stream, obviously the podcast version will be updated there in a few days so you can check us out on itunes stitcher google play and yeah yeah certainly uh check it out and let me know what you think because it's been a fantastic discussion but i guess it's time to fade out here i know this this favorite words i you know. know fade out fo right indeed indeed well it's been a privilege max thank you for the opportunity and and just know the porch light is always on oh my goodness thanks so much and um Gosh, we will uh, that we'll have to make that happen for sure. And uh, ladies and gentlemen, thanks again for listening to this live broadcast of Cinema After Dark podcast here with Lindsay Wilner. Make sure you check her out, folks. Make sure you follow her. Make sure you keep following Ledge Dweller. Keep that on your, you know, on your radar. And on that note, we will be back with more after this break. So thanks again, Lindsay. Thank you. Appreciate it. And welcome back to the Cinema After Dark podcast. My gosh, thanks you all for tuning in tonight. Before we wrap, I want to thank our guest again, Miss Lindsay Wilner. What a wonderful discussion that was. God, was that a great discussion. Really enjoyed chatting with her. Make sure you check out Ledge Dweller, folks. Most importantly, I want to thank all of you again for tuning in tonight. Obviously, the show does not exist without you listening. Appreciate your wonderful years out there. Thanks for giving us a listen. I really, really appreciate that. Dream big. Be humble.